Destination Medicine is a collaborative initiative of regional training hubs. With first-hand lessons learned from those who have gone before, this podcast is designed to assist and inspire anyone interested in pursuing a medical career in rural and regional Australia. Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Nicole Goodman. If you're thinking of applying to medical school, but you don't think you have the right grades, don't let that stop you from applying. That's according to Dr. Madeline Kelly, who says if medicine is something you really want to do, there are ways around that. Dr. Kelly relates her own experience after she undertook a pre-medical undergraduate degree to make sure she was ready for medicine when the opportunity arose. Today, she's a registrar GP practising in Orange, a regional city in the central Tablelands region of New South Wales. Chris Ashmore asks Madeline when she first realised she'd wanted to study medicine. I think I've known that I wanted to do medicine for a really long time. So I always had an interest in medicine and that kind of thing. When I was a kid, I would read medical books that we had at home I don't know why neither of my parents are medical, (laughs) but probably only sort of seriously thought that I would probably do it towards the later end of high school, so probably in my final years. When you were in school, though, was it something that you were encouraged to do? Was it, uh, or were you discouraged to do medicine? Uh, So I think that I was told by my careers advisor at that time that it was probably unlikely. I guess my results at that time probably weren't going to get me into undergraduate medicine, but it was still something that I had in the back of my mind. And I thought, oh, well, I'll prove her wrong and I'll do it anyway. Were there any others at your school considering doing medicine? Not at that time, I don't think. So since I've gone through, there have been uh, two girls that were in my grade at school that have gone through and are currently studying medicine. So Sam Boog, who you spoke to for your medical student series, uh, is currently in third year of UOW. And Tina Jones, another girl I went to school with, is in the year below her. You grew up in a rural high school, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I went to school in Orange, where I still am at the moment. And uh, for anyone who's considering doing a career in medicine, any advice for them or any support do you think that's available? In terms of if you don't think that you've got the grades to do it, Mm. I think that there are always ways around that. I think that the HSE is always built up as uh, the be-all and end-all, but it's definitely not. It's just, you know, one of those things that you have to do. And I think that it's always important to do your best, but if you don't get the marks to get into medicine straight away, then there are always other ways around it. For example? So I obviously did an undergraduate degree. So I did clinical science out at CSU here. And then I did a science honours degree after I had applied to medicine and then got knocked back the first time. So you can always get a little bit of experience in doing something else before you go into medicine. And I know that being or having done a postgraduate degree A lot of the people that I did my medical training with were something else before they were doctors. So a lot of them were teachers or police officers or musicians or something else before they went and did medicine. So you can always do something else, particularly if you have the interest, you can always do something else and then come back and do medicine later. Can you tell me about your pathway to your GP training? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I did all of my training through UOW as in medicine. Uh, so it's a four-year postgraduate degree. So I did my first two and a half years based in Nowra, which is one of the little satellite campuses, which is about sort of an hour away from Wollongong. And then after that, I did some training out in Leeton and Griffith, which are out in the Murrumbidgee region of New South Wales. And then six months to finish the degree in a couple of different things. And then after that, I went and did my junior years in a rural hospital in Orange. Mm-hmm. Any particular reason you chose the University of Wollongong? So I chose the University of Wollongong because it's sort of a little bit more directed towards rural medicine. So I always knew that if I was to do medicine that I wouldn't practice in a city, that I would come back to the country and I would work. Uh, So when I was doing my clinical science degree at CSU here, we actually had the Dean of Medicine and one of the head sort of academics there come out and give a talk at our university and they were talking about how great their university was and how they focus on rural medicine and early clinical exposure. And I was just taken by it. I just decided then and there that I was going to go through Wollongong. Mm -hmm. Well, you haven't moved away from Orange. You're still there. What's attractive about uh, that part of the world? My family is still here, so that's always a big draw card. But it's just a really nice place of the world. There's a lot to offer in Orange. I think there's good housing around here. There's a good sort of variety of things to do in your spare time. It's a really lovely scenic kind of town. It's just, you know, and it's comfortable. It's home. The capital cities, Sydney, Melbourne, they haven't been attractive for you? So funnily enough, I've never actually lived in Sydney or any sort of big centre. So Wollongong was probably about as big as I went. And I didn't even live there for very long, probably only stayed there for about a year on and off and did more of my training down in Nowra and Bowral and Leeton and all of the smaller towns. Right. Now, signing up for GP training in your intern years, it's a very intentional step. How and why did you get on the training program so early? Uh, So I think I always knew that I was probably going to do general practice. So I always liked the idea of being the doctor in the small town who had a skill set where you could do lots and lots of things. And I think that going through my whole medical degree, I didn't think there was any sort of particular area that I enjoyed more than general practice. So I thought, well, why wait and, you know, just get on and do the training? Don't know that that's necessarily the the best idea in hindsight, (laughs) but I'm still really enjoying my training at the moment. Well, it's an interesting conversation to have. Taking the extra time in the hospital before you go into a training pathway is okay and going straight into a training pathway is also okay. Yeah, so I think that I probably could have stayed on at the hospital and maybe done an SRMO year, done a bit more ED experience and gotten a bit more sort of acute medicine training before I went out into general practice. But then I don't know that it would have necessarily helped me in general practice anyway, maybe for those, you know, very occasional acute presentations that you get. But otherwise, general practices and community medicine as a whole is just so, so much different to hospital medicine. So it's hard to say whether it would have helped me or not. But I think that any kind of experience that you have is worthwhile. Mm. Well, speaking of experience, what do you consider the best bits of your training so far? 
Oh, I've loved so many different things that I've done. So I think working in rural towns has been really rewarding. I think that anywhere that I've sort of gone to do training has been, yeah, awesome. So I particularly loved my year that I did in general practice as a medical student. So UAW offers the opportunity to go out into a rural town and to work in that town, live in that town for a whole year. So I think that that has been really, really valuable. So when I worked in Leeton, I was set up in one particular general practice. So I had my own patient load. I got to do a lot of procedural work, a lot of chronic disease management, a lot of antenatal work with pregnant women. And I think that a lot of that stuff in a larger setting would often just be referred off to specialists. So I think that that was a really valuable part of my training because I got to work through a lot of things myself and learn how to think about those things. And particularly as a general practitioner now, I think that that was a really helpful part of my training. Well, also, if I can jump in, you grew up in Leeton. I did. Were a lot of those patients, did you know them already? Some of them I did. And that was also a very interesting skill. And I think that that's probably helped me coming back to practice in Orange, because obviously, you know, I've gone to school here as well. I know a lot of people here and it's a very sort of unique type of situation to encounter. I think in medicine, being the doctor and having a particular role within the community, but then also knowing people outside of that and having to balance between personal relationships with people and professional relationships with people. So I think that that was actually a really good skill to learn while I was still a medical student. And you can sort of learn those things before you have to worry about making mistakes and that kind of thing. It have its good points, but it also have its bad points too, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Running to people in the shops and (laughs) having people say, oh, can you just look at this little skin thing that I have? And yeah, just making sure that there's definitely that sort of demarcation between this is my time and this is practice time and all of that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. I understand that uh, you would like to get into palliative care. Yeah, so I think that that's a particular area of interest that I have. It certainly, like it even surprised me, it wasn't something that I went into medicine thinking, oh, yes, I'm going to do palliative care. It wasn't really something that I knew a lot about. But I did a a medical oncology term in Newcastle towards the end of my training, and we obviously worked really closely with the palliative care team. And it was just such a unique experience, and I think that demystifying death for people who haven't been around it a lot and aren't used to it and being able to support people at a particular time in their life I think that that's really rewarding as well and in my mind it should always be a really big part of general practice as well you know being there from birth to death essentially and being able to take care of people at all the times in between. Mm, Absolutely. Now what have you seen has been the biggest challenge? I would probably say time commitments. I think that um, you never really get used to exactly how much time your job takes from you. And I think that you have to get very used to making time for things because there's not usually a lot of spare time that you have between working full time, studying. I once had a clinical lecturer say to me in second year that if you look at your timetable now, that's how busy you will be for the rest of your life. You'll never be less busy than this, so you need to work out how your life's going to fit in around it. <laughs> Good lesson. Yeah. Exams, they challenging? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think 
medicine's always a different beast to anything else that you'll ever do. And I think that I always used to go into exams thinking, you know, I, I know what I'm doing and I think I'll nail that exam. And doing medicine was really interesting because it was the first time I ever felt uncertain because there's just so much to know in medicine and you just never feel like you've fully gotten a grasp on it. It's like the more you know, the more you don't know. <laughs> But I'm coming up to exams again in my general practice training. So it's another thing that I've had to sort of come back to getting used to because I've been sort of not studying for two years and just trying to get my head around actual practice. Whereas now I've got to get back into the habit of working full time and studying. Well, in making the transition from medical student to doctor in training, what are some of the differences you've noticed in how you've continued your medical education? It is very different. So I guess particularly in postgraduate medicine, there's a big emphasis on self-directed learning. So there is that expectation that you will go out and you will find things in your sort of clinical experience and you'll use that as a learning guide for what you realise that you don't know. But obviously in medical school, there's always more of an idea of what you're supposed to know. And there's a set curriculum of things that you have to know and what they have to teach you. Whereas when you get out into practice, it's much more just what you encounter guides your learning. So, you know, if you're assessing someone in ED and you see a bacterial tonsillitis or you see someone with undifferentiated abdominal pain, it's up to you to think, oh gosh, I don't know a lot about that. I'll have to go and and read more about how I manage that or what reasonable differentials are or how I should manage this in the acute setting and all of that kind of thing. It's sort of, it's very, very self-guided. What advice would you give to a a medical student considering undertaking a rural JMO or GP training? I think that working in your junior years at a rural hospital is like nothing else. I think that you have such a close-knit group of people that you work with and you all become so close over the years But you also just get to do a lot more and see a lot more than you would necessarily if you're working in a bigger centre. I know that some of my friends are out in bigger centres and they don't get to do as many procedural things as I would have in my junior years. And I think that you're given a lot more free range to do things and to try and work out problems on your own before you go involving other people and you get to make a lot more decisions on your own, which really develops your practice a lot quicker. And I think that I guess sometimes because we don't have all of the specialists that they do in bigger centres, I think that a lot of the time, you know, you're working up people from initial presentation to all throughout the admission and you're doing a lot more yourself than you necessarily would in some of those bigger centres because you don't have all of the subspecialties that you refer to when you ask them to help with the management. You kind of have to do it yourself. (laughs) have you ever had a mentor I would look at a lot of my supervisors while I was training as mentors in a more specific kind of sense I was a a Ramus scholar which I don't think exists anymore but that was a program to get rural students a little bit of assistance through medical school and it was also to link them in with a rural practitioner so for the first I think two years of my medical training, I had one of the local paediatricians here in Orange as my Ramus mentor, and she would sort of share a lot of her experiences with me and we'd check in and she'd just give me helpful tips and tricks to get through medical school. 
And then for the, the last two years, I actually had one of the GPs that I work with now as my mentor, which has been really nice, like coming full circle. It's terrific. Now, is there any piece of advice that you received during your training you think that, you know, stuck with you? Well, I guess apart from trying to figure out how your life fits in to the amount of work that you have, I think it's about prioritising yourself. I think because particularly when you're a junior doctor, no one's going to say, oh, hey, you haven't had lunch or you haven't had a drink of water today or you haven't peed for the last five hours. You have to really look out for yourself and you have to make sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you can be in a better position to take care of everyone else as a doctor and everyone else in your life. You know, if you have family around you, if you have kids, anything like that, you just have to make sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you can do your best job. Mm -hmm. And are you looking after yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's always a great question. Yes, I'm still learning how to prioritise all of these things, but I'm definitely trying. I always take a bottle of water with me everywhere. And I think that I'm getting better at taking breaks for myself throughout the day so that I'm not overdoing it. And obviously it's all about time management as well because, again, I'm coming up to exams, so I've got to figure out how I'm fitting everything into my life at the moment while still making time to spend time with my partner and my family and still get out and exercise and cook food and just all the things that you kind of need to do to exist. Well, before we go, if indeed we're out of lockdown by then, where do you see yourself in 10 years' time, Maddie? So, I mean, I'm really hoping that I finish training by then (laughs) and I'm hoping that I'll have, you know, a couple of extra skills on my belt. I think that I'm going to go forward and do a bit more work in palliative care, but I think maybe doing more procedural things and maybe even a bit of teaching. I mean, who knows? And whether we stick around this area or not, we're still yet to be determined, I think We're maybe even looking at moving to Tasmania and just living a little bit more of the rural life down there, maybe getting a farm or something like that. Who knows? That's Dr Madeline Kelly, Registrar GP, practising in Orange. Regional training hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Programme.